Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 12th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. I hope everyone has had a good week so far, is getting ready for the end of it, and enjoyed our discussion yesterday as Trey spoke with David Johnson of 24-7 Sports Ole Miss site, omspirit.com. Before we start, I wanted to remind everyone that if you like what you hear, make sure to drop us a five-star rating and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to see your comments and are so thankful for any feedback if you want us to cover a topic we haven't already, or if we haven't hit your favorite team yet as we preview all the Power 5 schools and some group of fives as well this offseason on the College Football Daily. Of course, if we have already covered your favorite team and you missed it or you want to listen back, don't worry. We have all the episodes for you. Just go to Spotify, search for the playlist across the country with the College Football Daily and listen as we preview your favorite program. We are coming closer and closer to the end of our journey previewing all the Power 5 teams this offseason. Less than 10 left. And today we are going to move even closer to the finish line as we preview Virginia Tech. Joining me to talk about the Hokies is Matei Sis of 24-7 Sports, vtscoop.com, and he joins me now on the line. Matei, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on. I'm doing very well, Lance. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. It's August. The season's, you know, just a couple weeks out, so super excited to be able to preview Virginia Tech. So, Matei, I want to just jump straight into the Hokies, starting on the offense. You know, what is the comfort level and I guess just overall trust level with Braxton Burmeister? You know, no more hand and hooker, obviously, as he's moved on to Tennessee. There's some depth behind Burmeister. They brought in Connor Blumrick as a grad transfer from Texas A&M. But Burmeister is the undisputed number one. What's Justin Fuente's confidence level in him as a huge first game against North Carolina, you know, comes closer, as we just mentioned? Yeah, I would say... Justin Fuente has a lot of confidence in Braxton Burmeister. If we're speaking on a scale of one to 10, probably a nine out of 10 with Braxton Burmeister. When you think of Justin Fuente throughout the years, he's been at Virginia Tech a long time and there hasn't really been an established starter heading into week one. Last season, there was Braxton Burmeister in the quarterback room, as well as Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson. Hooker is now at Tennessee. Patterson is now at South Dakota State. So you know, there has been a lot of turnover in the quarterback room, and now it's kind of Braxton's show. He's been here for two seasons now. This will be his third season. Last year, he had some durability concerns where he broke some of the toes in his foot and was unable to play the middle part of the season, rolled out for week one against NC State, and started the last game against UVA in the Commonwealth Cup. I wonder if he had never gotten hurt at he would be the starter for the entirety of the 2020 season. That's my assumption. And I think a lot of that has to do with the other guys transferring out of the quarterback room. So Braxton Burmeister is the guy. Uh, durability issues still remain. Can make it through the entire season unscathed. And like you mentioned, Connor Bulmeric, Knox Kadem, those are the two and three guys right there. They don't have a ton of experience. So, you know, all the confidence has to be in Braxton Burmeister. And I think Puente you know, has that confidence in him. 
Yeah, certainly. Like you said, it's all on Braxton Burmeister. You know, there isn't, I mean, there are some obviously, but not much experience behind them. I guess there is depth, but not much experience. So I'm sure there's some worry, maybe not a ton, but definitely some regarding the offensive line. Obviously, two big losses, one being Christian Darasaw, their starting left tackle, who was drafted in the first round by the Vikings. The other was starting guard Doug Nestor, who transferred to West Virginia. How do you expect this new offensive line to look? And I guess what are your worries in regards to replacing the two departures in Darasaw and Nestor? Yeah, I'll even throw one more out for you. Brian Hudson was another guy that was kind of a rotational piece on the offensive line. A, a former four-star came in you know, with Nestor, and those two were the future of the offensive line. Vance Weiss, the offensive line coach for Virginia Tech, was kind of playing them all over, whether it was center, guard, or tackle. Um, so a lot of depth was taken out with those two guys. And then you think of Christian Darisaw heading to the league, a guy that locked down that left tackle position for so many years. I will say there are a couple really good prospects and players for Virginia Tech. Offensive lineman Luke Tenuta, six seven, 320 pounds. He will slip in for the left tackle position. He was kind of playing at right tackle last year. He's a guy that has a ton of upside and one day will be in the league. Uh, Lasita Smith is another one that actually put out his name to see if he could get any information from the NFL and was actually thinking about leaving with Darisaw this past offseason, but decided to return to really solidify his stock. He's the starting left guard. And then there's Brock Hoffman, a transfer from Coastal Carolina that came in and started every game at center last year. Those three guys are the foundation of the offensive line and the, you know, the left side and the center are really solidified. I think it's more when you look at the right side of the offensive line, losing guys like Doug Nestor, Brian Hudson, that's where it really hurt. Finding those two guys at right guard and right tackle to really solidify this five-man unit. So for this next question, I'm looking for one on offense, one on defense. What are the keys to a successful year for Virginia Tech? You know, whether it's a player or a unit or something totally different, who or what needs to produce for the Hokies to have success this fall? I think when you're looking at the offense, it has to be the running game. Last year, Virginia Tech had Khalil Herbert, who was a sixth round draft pick for the Chicago Bears. He transferred in from Kansas and had a stellar season. Uh, over a thousand yards, 1,800 all purpose yards. Virginia Tech had one of the better rushing attacks in the entire ACC, I think just behind North Carolina. And now there's two guys, Raheem Blackshear, another transfer from Rutgers. Uh, I know, I know him the, well. I know him well. <laughs> I was going to say Scarlet Knights, but, uh, and then Jalen Holston, who was kind of, you know, the third string running back last year. Those are the two guys that kind of have to step up and, they haven't had ample experience being the number one guy. Both guys are good in, you know, regards to Blackshear, it's kind of a mix in the passing game and the running attack. Holston was kind of, you know, spelling carries on second down when Herbert was tired. So can those guys establish themselves as number one? Because if they can't, it's all going to be on Braxton Burmeister. I've already said, you know, durability questions. He can't. Uh, carry the entire load of the rushing attack for Virginia Tech with his legs. So getting one of one of two of those guys or both of those guys to uh, replace Khalil Herbert without missing a step will be big for the offense. And then defensively, I think you have to look at the DBs just becoming lockdown guys. There's a lot of good talent in the defensive back room. Jermaine Waller is a guy that didn't play a lot last season. Him and Caleb Farley were the one-two punch two seasons ago. Caleb Farley, another first-round pick in this past year's draft to the Tennessee Titans. Jermaine Waller was right neck and neck with him 
obviously injury concerns, but will be back healthy for this upcoming season. Him and Dorian Strong are expected to be the same kind of tandem. And it'll be interesting to see if their passing defense will improve with those two guys on the field playing the majority of the season. And, you know, you just mentioned, to bring it up one more time, you mentioned Blackshear, obviously, in the running game. I know him well, of course, uh, was at Rutgers for, I think it was two years, um, a couple seasons ago. And even at Rutgers, you know, you mentioned that he had never been in that every down, you know, number one running back role. And at Rutgers, it was the kind of the same thing. I know his freshman year was Gus Edwards, who's now with the Baltimore Ravens. He was the number one running back for Rutgers. And I believe his sophomore year was... He was the kind of go-to guy, but more in a pass catching as well as rushing role. And then they had freshmen at that time, Isaiah Pacheco, um, also grabbing carries. A couple more from me, Matei. Justin Fuente, look, he started off his time on a really positive note in Blacksburg. 10-4 and four and 9-4 and four in his first two seasons. 6-7 and seven in year three, back to 8-5 and five in year four, and then 5-6 and six in a crazy year five last season. I'm not talking about the hot seat because I, I don't believe he's at risk of being fired or not fired. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong and, and you can correct me if I am, but is there just the general sense of pressure on him to turn things back around and just get the program moving towards those nine and 10 win seasons that he achieved in his first two years? Absolutely. And I think there's two things at play here. The first, historically looking at Virginia Tech, they've always kind of been in that 10 game win threshold with Frank Beamer in the 2000s. And, you know, obviously in the past decade, things have kind of gone to eight and four, seven and six, but constantly making bowl games. That's the expectation at Virginia Tech. Last year snapped the streak. Obviously a COVID season, a lot of things happened there. The second thing I will say, and that I have never seen before around the country, is that after the season was over, there was an impromptu press conference to announce that Justin Fuente would be retained as a head coach. I've never seen another program say, you know, we're having this press conference because we're keeping this coach. It's either a given or you're making the press conference to say, look, we're going somewhere else. And I think the reason they did that was because the athletics program knows that there needs to be more transparency in regards to Justin Fuente and that there's a lot of people coming at his neck in terms of job security and whatnot. So I think when you look in next season, there's a lot to like for Virginia Tech on offense and defense. And I think it has to be, you know, this is the complete program for Justin Fuente. You've been here for a long time now. It's time to get to that eight win, nine win threshold. And, you know, it's going to be a difficult season for Virginia Tech and, you know, for a lot of other college football teams just coming out of the pandemic year. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But definitely, I think the hard expectation for a lot of fans uh, for Justin Fuente to get in the good graces is eight wins or above. So would you say I'm, I'm wrong then? Is it fired or not fired? Is it hot seat for Fuente that if they don't reach that eight win total, you know, the administration at Virginia Tech could at least consider making a move come season's end? I, I definitely think they could consider a move. It depends the severity of the season and whatnot. I wouldn't say it's, you know, he has to hit eight wins or he's gone. I think there's a lot of context in between. Recruiting results currently are a lot better. Virginia Tech has a top 20 class. I think that weighs heavily in a future decision. I think there was a lot of resources missing from the first four or five years of Justin Fuente. You know, facility upgrades, more staffers on, on uh, you know, quality control and recruiting. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of the processes behind the scenes have improved and it's kind of, you know, show us what you can do now that the product has improved at Virginia Tech. 
So I think, you know, regardless, if it's a four and eight season this year, I mean, it's hard for anyone to keep their job at a program like Virginia Tech. But, you know, I, I don't see it as, you know, it has to be this or has to be that. I think there's some wiggle room in between, but I definitely think in order to keep the fans to, you know, really have the pro have the fans on his side, you know, eight wins is a necessity in terms of job security. You know, it's, it's a bit more, you know, there's a bit more context there that's needed. Yeah, definitely. So Matei, I'll, I'll finish off with this one, the schedule. Look, it's not easy. North Carolina, Notre Dame, Miami, of course, highlight it. But if you would pick a swing game of sorts, a game that win or lose could really dictate the course of this season, what game or maybe even games would that be? I think you have to look at the first one, which is on September 3rd, a Friday night game against UNC. UNC is coming to Blacksburg. Uh, the last time they came there, six overtimes. You know, Sam Howell and Hendon uh, Hooker slash Quincy Patterson were battling it out. So, you know, Virginia Tech kind of has this new rivalry with UNC. It's always been UVA and, and Miami, but UNC has really come to the forefront. They're a team that's expected by most to compete at the top of the ACC Coastal this upcoming season. Virginia Tech is kind of the three or four team to a lot of, you know, analysts out there, predictors. So I think if they're able to upset UNC, who will come in on, you know, as the road team, as favorites in Lane Stadium, a night game, uh, one of the best crowds in college football, you know, if, if Virginia Tech is able to upset UNC, I think that will go a long way and at least achieving eight wins. Uh, you mentioned the other teams too, West Virginia, Notre Dame, Miami. I think those are the big four games for Virginia Tech. If they lose all of those, who I, I doubt they can make it to that eight-win benchmark. But, you know, beating a team like UNC, maybe it brings more confidence. All of a sudden you go into Morgantown, beat West Virginia, and then, you know, you're welcoming Notre Dame at home one month later. So, I think UNC is kind of going to set the barometer of what the season could be. You lose that game all of a sudden, that confidence kind of drains out. And those next non-conference teams, you're kind of overlooking who knows what happens. So I, I think it's funny to say, but that big conference game means everything for Virginia Tech. And on the flip side, I think it means everything for UNC too, to win that game and get off to a good start. Yeah, always fun when you have conference games to begin the season always a little bit more juice to those in-conference games especially for Virginia Tech's case when they're playing a team in UNC that some think could even challenge Clemson for the ACC this year you can follow him on Twitter at MateS247 and make sure to check out vtscoop.com for everything you need to know about Virginia Tech as the Hokies get ready for the 2021 season Matei, I really appreciate the time thanks so much for coming on yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lance. Remember that if you like what you hear, make sure to drop us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. If you have any questions, any ideas for a topic, or if you haven't heard your favorite team yet. For Matasis, my name is Lance Glenn. I will be back with you tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with h track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.